Right. So um, I started monitoring hate speech online a couple of years ago and it occurred to me that instead of the obvious tattooed skinheads or obvious patriot type of uh, groups, that the ones to watch are the highly educated, flying under the radar, alt-right types. And so I started watching them and I watched them form into groups and I watched them negotiate and discuss their tactics. And a lot of the time they're taking their tactics from some previously written white supremacist books, a book by James Mason called Siege. Uh, there's some work by an American Nazi called David Lane um, and also William Pierce. So these are all neo-Nazis who have written sort of the playbook on what to do. And one of the tactics is fly under the radar, infiltrate political parties. And so I was a bit surprised to see that they did it in such a ham-fisted kind of way, but I wasn't surprised at all that this was a tactic that they would use. Certainly, and it appears that uh, this is something that has been occurring for a while, of course, particularly in the United States. We've seen, uh, I guess, fairly uh, notable people such as uh, James Alsop uh, attempt to, I guess, uh, infiltrate the local Republican branch in his uh, eastern Washington state uh, and, and elsewhere in the United States. And there seems to be, I guess, somewhat of a, I guess, a divergence or a split within the, the alt-right in the United States and, I guess, here as well, uh, some of the, you know, the white supremacists choosing this more, um, I, I guess, you could call it subtle, though they weren't particularly subtle uh, approach. Uh, do you think that, uh, it, you know, it is comparable to the United States here in Australia that, you know, that the, the alt, so-called alt-right has grown to the extent where that these tactics are being employed. And do you, do you think that they are, despite their uh, ham-fisted attempts with the young nationals in New South Wales, do you think that they are to some extent actually succeeding in, in this approach? I think they're definitely succeeding despite this um, particular recent expose, there is no doubt that they take a lot of um, interest in what's happening in America, but we also have our own particular situation here. So one of the ways that they're covering up their actions is by harking back to the white Australia policy, by saying that previous Labor leaders, uh, Labor prime ministers even, and also um, now Liberal Party leaders over the period from the late 19th century right through until the 1970s, we're calling for a white Australia, we're calling for immigration from compatible nations and so on and so forth. So these people say that they're really just going back to the roots of Australian nationalism, which is white Australia. And unfortunately, Australia does have a long history of racism. There's no doubt about that. So on the one hand, yes, they're looking to the states for inspiration, but they're also trying to locate it in our Australian history and our Australian debates. As I understand it, the core group involved in the Young Nationals infiltration had been trying to influence the Liberals, the Young Liberals, and weren't really getting anywhere. So they moved on to a more perhaps naive group, which was the um, Young Nationals, and certainly they were very unprepared for what actually happened. And the main thing that they wanted to achieve was changing the debate around immigration because this is really the, the absolute nub of it for white supremacists, which is they believe that the white race, um, which is a nonsensical term, doesn't actually exist. But anyway, they believe that the white race is being genocided by global forces and they believe that 
this is um, the push for Muslim immigration is coming from those global forces. Um, and therefore, white people in Australia are in danger of becoming persecuted minorities. And so what they wanted to do was push through the Young Nationals some motions around immigration, controlling the numbers of people that come to Australia, controlling the countries they come from, and then have that pushed through to the Nationals and the, the government generally. So that's their main strategy is changing immigration. Now, as to whether or not they're winning... Um, I think that there's a lot of questions to be asked about political staffers. For example, if you look at someone like Pauline Hanson, you look at someone like Senator Fraser Anning, who are the people that are around them? Who are the people that are, are controlling their social media sites, making memes on their behalf and so on and so forth? And I think that a close scrutiny of those people would reveal quite an influence from the alt-right. I'm glad you mentioned Pauline Hanson there because, of course, uh, recently she put up the uh, It's Okay to Be White motion. What attracted oh, yeah. the support, of course, of uh, the, the National Liberal Coalition. Now, after this, uh, I guess, ham-fisted attempt to take over the young nationals in New South Wales, the New South Wales Nationals banned 22 people for life after that investigation into, you know, those links with uh, neo-Nazi and fascist groups. However, you know, not not long after that, almost in the in the same breath, they were supporting this "it's okay to be white" motion in in the Senate. And of course, they blamed this on a, a so-called administrative error. But I think you'd have to be quite quite uh, ignorant and naive to to think that all those senators, uh, you know, just just voted along with an administrative. Error. What, what do you think it says about the culture within both, particularly, I guess, the Nationals and the Liberals, but more broadly within the major political parties in Australia, that they are attracting these sorts of white supremacists and that they, I guess, white supremacists would think they would even get any, uh, you know, leadway within within these parties, I guess, particularly in the context of this it's okay to be white uh, motion? So I think the it's okay to be white motion is really an indication of how these groups manage to push the debate further and further to the right. So up until Lauren Southern, the Canadian provocateur, turned up in Australia in the middle of the year, um, most people outside of this kind of realm of race politics hadn't even heard the expression, it's okay to be white, didn't understand that it was started as a trolling kind of meme um, by 4chan, an online um, troll bulletin board, to really just troll the left wing and to troll so-called social justice warriors. Um, and that it works as a meme because, of course, it's okay to be white, it's okay to be anything, but the point is that it works as a white supremacist uh, dog whistle and not so much of even a dog whistle, actually, just a straight-out statement. So Lauren Southern gets off the plane in Australia wearing an It's OK to be white t-shirt. There's an uproar. Suddenly people like Pauline Hanson are realising, wow, I'm losing my constituency to Fraser Anning because people are moving further and further to the right because of Fraser Anning's points around racism and keeping out Muslims and so on and so forth. So Pauline Hanson jumped on something that she didn't really understood, pushed in the parliament, uh, in the Senate. And of course... This is the thing, that the, that the mainstream political parties are just not onto the kind of strategies that are being developed and used to quite good effect by the alt-right. So in a sense, they were trolled. Um, and it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you say, well, we don't support, it's okay to be white, then white supremacists say, what? So you're saying it's not okay to be white, that whites are the only people that can be, you know, have racism um, uh, directed against them and no one's going to complain and so on and so forth. 
do you give them ammunition? And if you agree it's okay to be white, then you're basically saying that the white supremacist agenda is okay. So this is where political parties need to be a bit smarter about preempting these kind of trolling attempts to push the agenda to the right. I think in terms of infiltration of political parties, let's face it, none of the political parties are having a rapid build-up of members. They're all desperate for members. And so that makes them ripe for takeovers. It makes them ripe for this kind of influence. The group that were thrown out of the Young Nationals, they believe that they are the mainstream. They believe that they speak for all young people. Well, luckily they don't, but it is certainly true that they're politically motivated and they're not going to give up. The other thing is it's, a, it's great that the Nationals prescribe certain uh, fascist groups group membership as um, meaning that you're, you know, you can no longer be a member for life. However, these sorts of groups are forming all the time. So it's pretty hard to keep up a definitive list of fascist groups that um, people belong to. Also, in terms of the alt-right, one of the things is there's no membership list. It's just a general group of people that are kind of hanging out together, getting more and more extreme to the right. So I think this is a huge challenge for political parties to work out how to deal with this. And my own view is that there needs to be an honest debate about immigration um, and that the parties need to come out and um, basically state their commitment to um, multiculturalism and immigration and make sure that within their parties that um, these are the values that are upheld. Unfortunately, we've seen racist policies, statements from both major political parties. So I can't really see that happening anytime soon. Finally, Dr. Ross, I grew up in Perth in the 90s when we had uh, groups such as the Australian Nationalist Movement, people like Jack Van Tongren blowing up Chinese restaurants here. And and while, you know, there there wasn't, I guess, a a huge anti-racist movement, there was definitely a a bit of a fight back and a pushback uh, against both the A&M, but also uh, One Nation in in, in the 90s and early 2000s as well here. Sadly, I don't really see that same anti-racist movement in Australia anti-fascist movement now, while there have been you know, quite incredible uh, demonstrations, particularly in Melbourne, against groups such as the United Patriots Front or the uh, True Blue Crew or whatever they're calling themselves these days, there just doesn't seem to be the same level of anti-racist organising in, in Australia at the moment. However, you know, that the, the does seem to, uh, you know, maybe be uh, different elsewhere in the world with, uh, you know, lots of people mobilising in the States after Charlottesville and, you know, perhaps that gives us some hope. But where do you see, I guess, the the, the sort of anti-racist or anti-fascist movement in Australia at the moment and, and where do you think it could potentially uh, gain some strength in, in the coming, uh, you know, years or potentially even decades as we continue this fight against uh, fascist groups such as the alt-right that you're talking about now? I think that there's a growing anti-fascist movement and I, I do agree with you that when the you know Chinese restaurants were getting firebombed and, and so on, that there was a lot of attention on that. However, I see that in, say, in the weekly demonstrations against the holding of refugees on Nauru and Manus, I see that as part of an anti-fascist, anti-racism movement and a very strong part and a very um, staunch part of it. And what I've learned from my research is that as an academic, I was able to tap into a extensive network of anti-fascists um, who work through this organisation called the White Rose Society. And they have amazing archives on what's going on and they have lots of strategies. So one way of fighting them is in the streets and is turning up 
um, and protesting and making the voice um, very loudly heard. But there's more than one way to punch a Nazi. And I guess that's where we have to be smart with our tactics. These sort of alt-right figures, um, they're not just, they're just protesting them in the streets isn't really going to um, stop them. So I think that what we need to be doing is sort of strengthening our democratic processes and strengthening our society in such a way as to resist them. And I'm enormously optimistic and hopeful that we can do that. And in fact, I, I'm more optimistic now after this young national thing than I was before, whereas I see that people were very interested in taking action and making sure that these kinds of people don't kind of rise to positions of power. So take heart. I think things are on the improve.